0: Hey, glad you're with us uh, as we continue to worship together online, as we continue to look to God's word about how we can face our fears. You know, fears are something all of us uh, face, uh, no matter uh, who you are or what size you are. William the Refrigerator Perry, kind of a a legend in South Carolina and uh, nationally in the 1980s. He was an All-American defensive lineman at Clemson and drafted by the Chicago Bears, and he became kind of a, a little bit of a national phenomenon, as the Bears' uh, defense was legendary in the mid-'80s and went on to win a Super Bowl. And you would think someone is, as big as him and wide as him with this big, broad grid who battled in the trenches of the NFL wouldn't be frightened or scared of anything. But actually, the Fridge was scared of the dentist. In fact, is for 20 years, he didn't go to the dentist. When his teeth hurt, when his gums hurt, he didn't go to the dentist. When some teeth began to fall out, he didn't go to the dentist. When he even pulled some teeth out himself, he wouldn't go to the dentist. And finally, after 20 years of, of kind of excruciating pain with this, this uh, chronic in, in inflammation and infection, he, he went to the dentist but the damage was already done and they had to pull out all of his his teeth that put screws in the jaws and replacement teeth and all of those things, all because he was afraid of the dentist. Now there's a story for every mom to have in their back pocket when their kids don't want to brush their teeth, but you may not have a fear of the dentist or maybe you have a fear of the dentist, but the reality is everyone experiences fear. And No matter who you are, no matter how big you are, no matter how smart you are, how rich or poor you are, every one of us experiences fear. The only question is, how will we respond to it? How will we respond to it? In the Old Testament book of Numbers, there's an episode that's recorded out of the life of the Hebrew people, and that episode gives us two different ways of responding to fear. One I'll call fear driven. The other we'll call faith directed. And I want you to see in this as, as the God has been at work and He's brought them to the edge of the promised land, these two different types. Of responses. Let me give you some some quick background as you find Numbers uh, chapter thirteen, because we're going to be kind of just walking through the text this morning. So it'll be helpful if you have a copy of God's Word in front of you as we do that. Uh, but but as we set the stage, God has rescued the Hebrew people, out of captivity in Egypt. He's brought them out of Egypt with the 10 plagues. He parted the Red Sea and brought them through it, defeating the mighty Egyptian army. They encountered God powerfully at Mount Sinai. He's brought them through the wilderness, and now he's brought them to the very edge of the promised land. And there, under the leadership of Moses, he tells them to send out... Some spies, send some spies into the land just to check it out, to see if it is indeed everything that God had promised them it would be. And that's where Numbers chapter 13 opens up. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the people of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers, you shall send a man, everyone a chief among them. So Moses sent uh, sent them from the wilderness into the promised land, just as the Lord had commanded. Now that's that's setting the stage. But now what happens next is after 40 days, they come back. And as they come back, we see what I call the, the fear report and the faith report. Let's look at some characteristics of fear-driven people. The first characteristic is they experience the same things as positive people of faith. Verse 25, at the end of 40 days, they returned from spying out the land, and they came to Moses and Aaron, all the congregation of the people of Israel in the wilderness of Pharaoh at Kadesh. And they brought back word to them and all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told them, we came to the land of which you sent us, and it flows with milk and honey. And this is its fruit. They had samples of this fruit. And They see everything that, as we'll see, the others in that party saw. You know, sometimes we we think, well, a person is driven by fear. A person operates out of fear because they've had worse experiences or they've had these negative experiences. They've had more problems or more pain or more difficulty than somebody else. But what we discover in life is that's not true. That many faith-filled people have had some very negative experiences experiences in their life, Uh, that it's not that they were just blessed with an easy, problem-free life and therefore they they don't have fear, they they operate out of faith. No, no, no. Some of the the deepest, some of the most faith-directed people I have ever met in my life have also been some of those who have walked through some of the hardest, hardest experiences in their life. Fear driven people can experience the same things as positive people of faith. But here's where it begins to diverge. They quickly turn the conversation to the negative. They quickly turn the conversation to the negative. They just give this glowing report of the land. It's everything that God said it was going to be. And then, uh, there in verse uh, 28, however, uh oh, right? However, the people who dwell in the land are strong and the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there and the Amalekites dwell in the land of the Negev and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the hill country and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the Jordan. I mean, they're calling out everybody except the termites at this point, right? I mean, they got all of these problems, all of these things that are, are wrong. They, they quickly... Turn the conversation to the negative. And you and I, you, we know people like this, right? I mean, some people can find a problem in every solution, right? And no matter how good the opportunity, no matter what's before, they, they immediately go to the negative. They immediately turn to what could go wrong or what is wrong or, or how bad it's going to be. And kind of out of this passage comes one of my favorite descriptions of a pessimist. It says a pessimist is somebody that can walk into the land flowing with milk and honey and only see calories and cholesterol. And you know people like that, right? I know people like that. They find a problem in every situation, in every solution, but they also reject the encouragement of others. They reject the encouragement of others. The narrative continues uh, and Caleb in verse 30, but Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and occupy it for we are well able to overcome it. Then the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we are. So they brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land that they had spied out saying, the land through which we have gone to spy out, it is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people that saw it in it are of great height." And here's Caleb saying, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait. There is another way to look at this. Remember, God has brought us here. God has promised this land to us. But they rejected that. They rejected the will of God, the God who had brought them to this place, had promised them, had brought them through all of these this miraculous intervention, They rejected the testimony of the land. The land was exactly as God had told them it was going to be. And they rejected the testimony of Caleb and Joshua. They rejected the testimony of other people. They displayed for us that choices, not circumstances, determine our faith. It wasn't, it wasn't that they, they didn't see the same things that, that Caleb and Joshua, as we'll see in just a moment, Saul, but they made a different choice. Choices, not our circumstances, will determine our faith. And as they rejected the encouragement of others, they also exaggerate and instill fear in others. So we looked at verse 32 as they started to describe all the inhabitants of the land. All of them are of great height, verse 33. And there we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak come from the Nephilim. And we seemed to ourselves like grasshoppers. And so we seemed to them. And as you read that, It's kind of like, really, guys? Really? I mean, everybody that lived there was a giant. I mean, there there were no normal-sized people in that land. There were no, like, small people living anywhere in that land. Everybody was a giant. You know, there are times when we can, we, we can exaggerate. And, and here's the thing, we exaggerate. And it's not only that we become driven by fear, but we begin to instill fear into others. And the tragedy is the fate of a whole generation was impacted by their report. I mean, that's sobering to think about. If you skip ahead uh, to verse uh, chapter 14, and and we'll we'll read some more there in in just a a little bit, Uh, uh, but the whole congregation, they raised this loud cry and the people uh, wept and all the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The whole congregation said to them, would that we had died in the land of Egypt or would that we had died in this wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little, ones will become a prey. Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to one another, let us choose a leader and go back to Egypt. What a tragedy. Because of their report, the fate of a whole generation was impacted. Now, please hear me. Uh, There there are always, always, always going to be people who want to go back to Egypt. And think about it. Egypt wasn't that great, right? I mean, Egypt was where they had escaped from. They had cried out to God to deliver them. They were enslaved. They were beaten. Uh, Their their children were being taken and killed. Uh, Egypt was not a great place. But you get to a point where fear can freeze you. Fear can make you stay even in an intolerable situation because you're more afraid of change, you're more afraid of what might be on the other side than you are the the pain of the situation that you're currently in. They exaggerate and instill fear in others. Fear driven not only impacts my life, but it impacts the lives of the people that I touch and rub shoulders with. One more characteristic that I want you to see, and it goes along with that, and that is that they quite often have a poor self-image. I don't know if you caught that. when We read it just a moment ago in verse 13, but as they were describing the people in the land, they said, and we seemed to ourselves like grasshoppers. And so we seemed to them. Sometimes we call this a grasshopper mentality, uh, that, that they did not see themselves as this Called, chosen, empowered people of God. They did not see themselves through this lens of God has brought us here for this moment, for such a time as this. But no, they, they began to look at all the obstacles there and they began to, to say, it's too much. We're, we are not enough in and of ourselves, but God never asked us to be enough in and of ourselves. He asks us to trust him, to lean on him, to follow him. And see, here's the problem with a grasshopper mentality. We cannot consistently behave in a manner that is inconsistent with the way that we see ourselves. And if we see ourselves as too small, if we see ourselves as unable, we will never step in to the life that God's called us to. We'll never be who God created us to be. We'll never do the things God designed us to do. Because we'll be looking at ourselves not through a lens of faith, but through a lens of fear. You see, they focused on the size of their problems, and they forgot about the size of their God. And it's it's almost mind-blowing to think about that they could have forgotten that quickly. They've seen all of these things that God has done, and yet in the moment, they focused on the size of their problem and forgot about the size of their God. And sometimes I can read a passage like this and kind of power up a little bit and maybe think, you know, why well, I wouldn't have done that. And then I think, gosh, how much have I seen God do? I mean, we live on this side of the cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And yet there are moments when I can focus more on the size of my problem than on the size of my God. Well, listen, I'm getting kind of discouraged talking about those folks. So let's, let's flip the script here. Let, let's look at some of the characteristics, not of fear-driven people, but of faith-directed people. And they are kind of represented by uh, Caleb and Joshua in this narrative. Uh, let's back up to chapter 13, verse 30. But Caleb quieted people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and occupy it for we are well able to overcome it. All these folks were giving this negative report around him. He said, "Whoa, whoa, 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 wait a minute. I don't know about anybody else, but I know my God. And our God has brought us here and God has promised us this land and we will be able to occupy it if we walk in obedience to him. You know, sometimes we sing an old hymn. I've decided to follow Jesus. And one of the lines in that uh, is uh, about that, even if none go with me, still I will follow. Though none go with me, still I will follow. Faith directed people are willing to stand alone. Oswald Chambers said, it is the most natural thing in the world to be scared. And the clearest evidence that God's grace is at work in our hearts is when we do not get into panics. The remarkable thing about fearing God is that when you fear God, you fear nothing else. Whereas if you do not fear God, you fear everything else. Why is Caleb willing to stand when others are ready to run? Because he had a greater fear of God then he had a fear of any obstacle that stood in their way in the promised land. He was willing to stand alone. But not only willing to stand alone, but I want you to see that that faith-directed people are passionate. They are passionate in what they believe. Uh, While some folks are saying, let's go back to Egypt, uh, skip down to chapter 14, verse five. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the people of Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Japhoni, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes. And they said to all the congregation of the people of Israel, the land which we pass through to spy it out is an exceedingly good Land. They, they, they weren't just like passive about this, right? They were passionate about this. That they had this sense, wait a minute. This, this is not an insignificant issue. We, we are dishonoring God. We are stepping away from our, our calling and our destiny. And they didn't say, well, you know, if you want to take it, that's okay. If you want to reject our advice, it's, it's no big deal. No, 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 no. They said the glory of God is at stake. The future of a generation is at stake. And they were passionate about this. Listen, God is not looking for lukewarm followers, right? And there, there's, there's a lot of that. In fact, as you go to the book of Revelation and, and one of the letters to one of the churches uh, was about just the distaste that Christ has for lukewarm followers. And he says, I wish you were cold or hot, but the lukewarm, he just, he spits out. I mean, it is that repulsive. And sometimes it's strange where we can be passionate about a political affiliation. We can be passionate about an athletic team or passionate about a restaurant or whatever. But sometimes it feels like it's it's taboo to be passionate about God, to be passionate about following Him with all of our obe- being and being obedient to Him and everything that we say and do. But people whose lives are directed by faith are Passionate in what they believe, and they see the potential, not just the problems. The potential, not just the problem. So as they're, they're tearing their clothes, they're, they're passionate, they're mourning at the possibility that these people will walk away from their God given calling and destiny. And then they, they go on and talk about, uh, this land, uh, is, which we passed to spy out is exceedingly good. It is an ex- yes, there are problems. Yes, there are fortified cities. Yes, there are some large folks in that land. But let's not just see the problems, but let's also see the potential. See, here's what we discover in life. God often sends us opportunities brilliantly disguised as problems, doesn't he? And if we're not careful, we see the problem. We see all the things that can go wrong, but we never see the opportunity in the moment. We never see the potential in the moment Now I don't in any way want to diminish what we're walking through right now as, as a nation, as a world, and it's certainly impacted some of you even even much more quickly and much more painfully. But can I just urge you don't just look at the problems. don't just look at oh well when are we going to get back to normal or, or or why is this happening to me or why now? but God. What is the opportunity? God, what is the potential in this divine moment that you don't want us to miss? And please hear my heart on this. I am not talking about being Pollyanna at all. Uh, Jim Collins in his book, uh, Good to Great, uh, years ago, uh, talked about uh, the companies that made the move from good to great had the capacity to confront the brutal facts but to also persevere. He called that the Stockdale Paradox, named after Admiral James Stockdale, who was the highest ranking officer in the Hanoi Hilton, that prison camp during the Vietnam War. And he was tortured and beaten, and he was still trying to kind of give leadership to men there. And this Stockdale Paradox was kind of summed up in these words from Admiral Stockdale you must maintain unwavering faith that you can and will prevail in the end regardless of the difficulties and at the same time have the discipline to confront the most brutal facts of your current reality, whatever they might be. That's what people of faith do. They confront the brutal facts. They look reality square in the eye, but they see not just the problems, but they see the potential. They don't just see the barriers and the obstacles, but they see that God is at work in the midst of it. A couple of other things. They trust in God's empowering presence. They trust in God's empowering presence. So as they saw the potential, they tried to urge the people in verse eight. If the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not fear the people of the land, for they are bred for us. Their protection is removed from them and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Yes, there are fortified cities. Yes, there are giants in the land. Yes, there are all of these things that are going to make it so, so hard, but God is with us. And if God has brought us to it, he's going to bring us into that land. Sometimes we say it this way, what God guides, he provides. If God has brought you to the edge of this land and said, I want you to occupy it, he will provide the way for that to take place. That doesn't mean you don't have to work and labor and battle. You have to do all of those things, but you do it in his strength. You do it trusting in his empowering presence. And that's what Joshua and that's what Caleb and Moses and Aaron were calling them to. General George Patton has supposedly said, courage is fear that has said its prayers. Fear, real, but it said its prayers, that it, it has this, this trust in God's empowering presence. There's one more characteristic of people whose lives are, are not driven by fear, but directed by faith. And that is that they experience God's reward. They experience God's reward. Later in that same chapter, we, uh, we, we see that the nation, this generation, is gonna miss out uh, on the blessing of God. They're not gonna get to go into the promised land. But those who were living their life directed by faith were going to receive the reward. Uh, verse 24, but my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit and has followed me fully, I will bring into the land into which he went and his descendants shall possess it. (laughs) The vast majority of folks may miss it, but Caleb, whose life was directed by faith, was not gonna miss it. Same thing was true of Joshua. Not one shall come into the land where I swore that I would make you dwell, except Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, the son of Nun. As their life was directed by faith, they experienced God's reward. And that doesn't always come in the immediate. It doesn't always come in even the short term. But eventually and certainly eternally, we experience the fullness of God's reward as we live our life directed by faith. Fear-driven or faith-directed, you and I each get to choose. We get to choose. We get to choose several things. We get to choose to receive God's gift of eternal life, to recognize the reality of our sin that separated us from a holy God, to cry out and, and turn from our sin and ask Christ to be the cleanser, the forgiver of our sin, to be the rightful leader and Lord of our life from this point forward. And our greatest hope and desire is that every person that's hearing my voice today would cry out to God to be their forgiver and their leader, that you would receive that gift of eternal life. It's a choice that you can make today. And we would love to help you in that choice and figuring more out about it, answering questions about it, or helping you to take that step. And so please, please, please reach out to us. Reach out to us through social media. Reach out to us uh, through the website, fbcfm.com. We would be honored to come alongside you and talk more about how you can choose to receive God's gift of eternal life. But on that platform, we still continue to make faith choices every single day. We can choose to nurture our walk with God. Uh, we, we can choose to, to build into the rhythms of our lives some of those practices that followers of Christ have had for uh, centuries now. Uh, We can have time in God's Word, time in prayer, uh, solitude, uh, times of all these other spiritual growth habits and disciplines that that nurture our walk with the Lord. And the more that we nurture our walk with the Lord, the more that we walk by faith. Uh, We can choose what goes into our minds. I know there's a lot of messages out there, uh, but you and I have an incredible privilege of choosing. We can choose to limit some things and give more attention to other things. We can choose not to constantly fill our minds with certain things, but to open up our minds to other things. We can choose to limit our exposure to some fear-driven people and try to find some of those faith-directed people who can encourage us and strengthen us in our walk with the lord we can choose what goes into our minds but we can also choose to fix our focus to fix our focus i i know we're all getting bombarded with stuff right now and what i'm finding during this time for my life personally but even folks that i'm talking with is that you have to be careful where you fix your focus because there's so much information and so much misinformation and so much information that's coming from a, political, a particular bias or angle that we have to choose. What am I going to fix my focus on? Am I going to fix my focus on everything that I've lost or the potential of the moment? Am I going to fix my focus uh, on all the things that could still go wrong? Or am I going to fix my focus on the fact that God is still at work in the midst of this? Am I going to focus on on the latest rantings of of somebody who's upset or ticked off? Or am I going to focus on being a part of the solution along the way? You and I can choose to fix our focus. And ultimately, we can choose to take action. To take action. Uh, To say, I don't know what anybody else is going to do. But I'm going to take this next step in obedience to God. And you don't have to have every step figured out. They, Caleb and Joshua didn't have this, this detailed plan for the invasion of the promised land. But they just said, we are willing to take action. We are willing to take the next step. And that's what God calls us to. There are so many times I wish God would just lay out the next 20 years for me. <laughs> he rarely, really, really does that. He says, will you trust me enough to take this? specific step, this step of obedience to me. And what we find is that the smallest obedient act is far, 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 far better than the greatest of intentions. It's, it's better than, than lots of conversation about faith, talking about faith, discussing faith. At some point, you act, and that step of faith, that act of obedience actually begins to enlarge your faith and enlarge your capacity to be a faith-directed person. Now, sometimes we fool ourselves into thinking, well, I, I, I understand all that, but here's what I know about myself, all right. We say things like, when it comes to that big moment, when it comes to that crisis, when it comes to that big opportunity, I'll be there. I mean, I'll respond not out of fear. I'll respond out of faith. And the reality is, you'll probably respond in a big moment, depending upon what you've done and all the little moments that have led up to that. The choices that you and I make in a moment of crisis or at a crossroads of opportunity will be determined to a large extent by our daily choices. Those little choices to fix our focus, to take one step, to nurture our faith, to call on God, to to surround ourselves with the right kind of people. Those daily choices that build into our life a direction, that at the moment of crisis, a moment of opportunity will either be driven by fear or directed by faith because of the daily choices we've made. There's an old, old story, and perhaps you've heard versions of it through the years. So, of a wise man who lived in the Himalayas. And he would occasionally come to the village and people would have questions for him. And they would marvel at his insights and his power of perception. And he seemingly could see things that other people couldn't see. And there were two young boys that they kind of devised a a trick, if you will. They said, we're going to trap the wise man. And so they they captured a bird the next time the wise man came down from the mountain. And they came up to him, taking their turd, and they they had a bird in their hand, and they placed it behind their back. And they ask a very simple question. "O wise man, is the bird in my hand dead or alive? Dead or alive? Now, their plan was very simple. They had in their their hand this bird that was very much alive. And if the wise man said alive, they would crush it. (laughs) And kill it. If he said dead, they would bring it around front alive. The wise man looked at the two young boys and then he replied very, very simply The bird is as you choose it to be. The bird is as you choose it to be. And the same is true in our lives. We can live our life driven by fear or directed by faith. The power of choice is in our hands. But it's not just the choice in the big moment, but it's the daily choices that prepare us for those big moments. The choice is in your hand. It is your God-given opportunity, calling, and obligation. Let's pray before him together, please. Oh, Father, thank you that we don't have to live our life driven by fear. Thank you, Father, that, that we can live a life that honors you, that blesses others as we walk directed by faith. And Father, I, every one of us, every one of us has fears they look different at different seasons of our life, and, and different one of us struggled with different fears, but you know us. You know us inside and out. You know our past, our present, our future. And Father, you know you know what you want to do in and through our life if we would choose to operate not by fear, but by faith. Father, teach us to walk daily. By faith, we ask this together now in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. We can help you again in any way as you seek to, to lead a life not driven by fear, but by direct directed by faith. We want to come alongside you. Please, again, reach out to us, uh, pick up a phone, reach out through social media or uh, contact us uh, through our, our webpage. Uh, but as we close, I just want to leave you with a few questions because I, I'm just convinced the core of my being, you can hear a message and you can walk on and you'll quickly forget the message because your life will fill up with a whole lot of other things. But if you'll spend some time kind of personalizing that, it will become powerful in your life. Here's some questions that may help. How have I typically responded to fear in my life? Kind of what are my habitual patterns? Are there areas of my life where I'm more prone to be fear-driven than in other areas of my life? It's just wise to know that. What characteristics of fear-driven people do I see operating in my life? Just walk back through some of those. What characteristics of faith-directed people do I see operating in my life right now? Maybe you have some of both. What choices can I begin to make or renew and strengthen in my life to help me become more faith-directed? What will that look like on a daily basis? What do I need? What choices do I need to begin making? Or maybe just renew and strengthen those daily choices that'll make a difference in those big moments. And then as we keep saying week by week, when God gives truth to us, it's not just for us, but is to go through us to other people. And so I ask you, who can I share these truths with? Maybe it's just as simple as sharing this this message online, just uh, sending it to somebody else, inviting them to tune in. Maybe it's just talking with somebody else about what God's saying to you. There's a lot of fearful things going on in our world right now, but you and I get to choose whether we're gonna be driven by faith or driven by fear, excuse me, or directed by faith. Let's choose faith together. Thanks for joining us. God bless you.